in biblical vision, not just any vision, but I can tell you in biblical vision, there are blessings. Are you aware of them? Do you know what they are? Do you know what it brings to you when you operate in biblical vision correctly? That's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about five aspects of biblical vision and the blessings that are in there. Let's jump into it right now. Uh, looking at vision, we've been talking about it all week long, and uh, I'm, you know, it's been such a blessing. So many people have said, man, Pastor, I've gotten a lot out of this, and many people have said, like, I've never looked at vision like this. I've never seen vision in this way. I've not seen it this at this depth and realized how important it is. Biblical vision is so important. If you think about this, uh, you think about biblical vision, it says, write the vision and, and make it plain that you may run with it, right? In other words, there's no space to run without vision. There's no destinies fulfilled without vision. He says, without vision, the people perish. So literally, there is a lack and there's death in a lack of vision. So vision helps provide life. It provides a place to run. It provides a destiny. And that's why God gives it to us. That's why he has vision for every person uh, that's on the planet. He has a vision for you. And you can say that right now. You can just put it in the comments. You can say, God has a personal vision for me today. And in that vision, you have life, you have room to run, and you have the ability to fulfill your destiny in that vision. We've been talking about vision all week. It's kind of like vision week. And uh, this Sunday, I'm going to be talking specifically about the vision of Boomerang Church and uh, what it is. And I'm telling you, it's like it's, it's not that big of a statement, but man, is there a lot in that statement. So look forward to that. In looking at the five aspects of vision, uh, I want to give you the very first aspect First, the first, or, or excuse me, not the first one. I want to give you the last aspect first. The last aspect of vision is this, that biblical vision involves personal and shared blessings. This is the last one. So why would we learn about the five aspects of biblical vision that the rest of this video is going to be about? Because the last aspect of it is there's a blessing to be released. There are blessings of God that will fill and overflow your life. There's a blessing of God waiting on you in his biblical vision. God has it for you. It's waiting on you. Let you and I jump in and get that. This is a big, big blessing. We're going to talk about it in detail towards the end of this video. But before you get to the blessing part, you have to walk out the other aspects. You have to know them. I'm going to show you five aspects of it and what they mean to you, how to operate in them, what to look for. A lot of times when people are trying to operate in vision, they don't know what to look for, so they don't know what actual biblical vision looks like, which means they'll never get to the blessing. I want every person that's watching this to get to the blessing, so I'm going to give you what to look for in biblical uh, vision. So I want to start with this verse because I'm going to take this verse. This is one set of verses, and you can put it in the comments, Psalms 92 and verse 12 and 13. Psalms 92, verse 12 and 13, and one of the things that you're going to see is this, that all five aspects of biblical vision are in these verses. All five aspects of biblical vision is in these verses. So Psalm 92 Verse 12 and 13, let's go ahead and, and read that. It says this, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Let me read it one more time. Psalms 92, 12 and 13. The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He, that righteous man, will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Now, that doesn't sound like a vision verse, but I'm telling you that there's a lot of vision in that. And I'm going to show that to you in these five aspects. The first aspect of biblical vision is this. Biblical vision 
is usually given to one individual. Biblical vision is usually given to one individual. So if you look back at our verse that we were talking about, it says, when righteous people are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted means they're planted in the ground. They're, they're sown as seed for a harvest to come up. Basically, what you have in that planting is you have a field, and you have a farmer that is over that field that knows what should be planted. He knows what should come up, what kind of crop, what kind of harvest does this need to be. So in this, in this picture, the farmer is given vision by God. Now, if you relate this to uh, your local church, the, f- the field is the church. The, the farmer is the pastor, and God gives vision to that pastor. So you could relate this in many ways. You could relate it to a job, and the, the, the job, uh, the employees would be the planting. They would be the seeds that are sown and given to the vision of the CEO, given to the vision so that that field can produce its crops. In this, in this way, in, in Psalms 92, verse 13, it says, planted where? In the house of the Lord. He says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So by nature, when God says, I'm going to plant you, I placed you in the body of Christ, I'm going to plant you there, what he's saying in the whole purpose is, and I'm given a farmer a vision. I've given a man a vision of this. And so the first biblical aspect of vision is that God, biblical vision is usually given to one individual. And look at this. Look at the vision. Who did he give vision to? You put it in the comments. Who did God give vision to to make the ark? Put it in the comments. Who was it that God gave vision to? He gave it to Noah. He gave that vision to one man. Who is it that God gave vision to to save the Israelites and bring them out of Egypt? Put it in the comments. Who did God give vision to to bring to draw the Israelites out of Egypt and out of that bondage? He gave it to Moses. Who did God give vision to to sow the seed of his son so that all of mankind could reap the harvest of the Son of God? Who did God give vision to that he would be the founder of faith, the father of faith, and that all the nations would be blessed through him? Who did God give that vision to? That one man, to Abraham. Who did God give the vision to to be the great king of Israel, and to bring about and unify Israel in this way. Who did God give that vision to? To King David. Who did God give the vision to, to rebuild the walls of Israel? To Nehemiah. Who did God give the vision to, uh, to uh, beat back the invading force with only 300 men in the end? He gave that vision to Gideon. You know, who did God give the vision to to save mankind? He gave that to Jesus. Put it in the comments, your answers. You know, who did God give the vision to to be fishers of men that stood up on the day of Pentecost and cast the wide net of the gospel and brought in all these men and women into the kingdom of God? He gave it to Peter. And who does God give vision to in the field in which you're planted? He, he gives a purpose. He gives a vision. He gives that to your pastor. This is the pastor is overseeing that field. He has vision for it. So the first aspect of biblical vision is that God generally gives vision to one man or woman, and then that person leads a group of people into that vision. As, uh, John Maxwell said this, a great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. So once we have this vision of God, we don't want to just lead by position. We don't just want to lead by authority uh, of that position. We want the passion of God to be in it and that passion to come out, that passion that has the ability to drive that vision, to stay in that vision. As we're leading people and receiving vision from God and as we are planted, let, and watch this, as we're planted in biblical vision, 
He may not have given us the vision, but he's, as we're planted in somebody's vision that God gave them, we should receive that passion as well to help drive us into that vision because our own personal vision is wrapped up in the corporate vision. Put this, uh, put this into the comments right here. Put this. Our personal vision is wrapped up in our corporate vision. Our personal vision is wrapped up and released in our corporate vision. All right, now, one of the things I want you to see is aspect number two. The second aspect of biblical vision is that biblical vision requires a team. You see this in our verse where it says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. The plantings are the people. This is the team. And so every time God gives a vision to a man or a woman, he then would draw a team to them and bring that, bring that vision about. I, would, I called it earlier this week, and I like the term, and you can put this in the comments, a family of vision. In other words, this family is centered around the vision of God, a family of vision, a family of vision. Look at Moses. Moses was given a vision. And uh, sure enough, Moses was given a vision. And what happened with Moses? The Lord drew to him Aaron and Hur, Joshua and Caleb. God brought a team around Moses. God, buddy, God brought a team around Moses. And in that team, this is what accomplished that biblical vision. This is what brought that about. Um, then you look at Abraham. What happened to Abraham? Around Abraham, the team was Isaac and Jacob. He brought his own family members into the team of establishing the blessing to all people. You look at David and the Lord in 2 Samuel 23. He brought a team around him. What were they called? David's mighty men. What made these men mighty? Uh, Adino, he slew 800, 800 enemies at one time. Eliezer, he fought even though he was weary, and he fought so much that he could not release his hand from his sword. His hand had formed around his sword because he had fought for so long at one point. Shama stood his ground and said, this might just be a bean patch, but it's mine, and you can't have it. There was a team in the vision of David to bring about what David was saying, to bring that about and say, listen, we are behind this vision. We're a part of this vision, and we will uphold it. I want you to see this. When, and watch this, you may not have been the person that God shared vision with, but if you are planted in the family of vision, if you're planted in the family of vision, that vision now becomes yours. That vision becomes yours. And so don't just say, oh, this is pastor's vision. Oh, this is somebody else's vision. No, that vision becomes yours. Make it yours. And put this in the comments. If God plants me in biblical vision, I need to allow that vision to become mine personally. Just like God said it to you. Now, now think about that. When a plant, when something is planted, we see it uh, in John 12. We see John 12, 24. When a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it, when it dies, when it dies to its own self and it takes on the vision of the ground that's around it, now it's able to spring forth life. I think this is a major disconnect that's happened in many organizations is people will be in an organization. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me on this. Listen up. You know, and the Bible would say this, behold, you know, hark, you know, whatever you got. Listen to this point. Most people will go into an organization, but they never die to their old self and they never take on the vision of where they're planted. And because of that, you never have unity in that organization. But just take a church, for instance, or even a life group. You know, you take a church and God's given that pastor vision. If the people say, I, I know God placed me in this church, and so I'm going to plant myself 
in this vision. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I take the vision that you've given this, this man or woman of God, and I take that and I make it my own. What would happen if every person planted in that family of vision literally took that vision upon their shoulders? Oh my goodness, the life that would spring up. This has been a major disconnect in many organizations of Christ, many churches, many bodies of Christ. This has been a major disconnect because everybody sees it. Well, that's the pastor's vision. Well, he thinks this. Well, and we're here and we're supporting it some. What if everybody got involved with it? What if they really, truly planted themselves? And remember, the reason we're talking about biblical vision is because there are blessings attached to this. We're going to talk about them here in a minute. So one of the things that you see is this, that every time, second point, every time biblical vision is given to one person, God draws a team to be planted and take that vision as their own. Listen, these mighty men of David, they fought through the hosts to fulfill the desire of David. And think about this. They, they trusted him. You remember that one uh, story where David said, man, I wish I could drink some of the water uh, from that town. I w- wish I could drink some of the water. Well, the enemy was there. And you had, you had these men that fought through the enemy. They bled to get him just a fresh drink of that water. That's how much they believed in David and were given to him. This is not ungodly. This is not wrong. This was godly. This was a right way of thinking. This was a covenant heart. And then they bring that water back. And David said, and David said, how can I drink this? And he pours the water out. <laughs> Imagine if that happened today. You know, most people would be so offended at that. But the, this is what made these men mighty. What made them mighty was they were given so much to the vision, they didn't even care about that. They didn't care about what they had given. They said, and here's what he was saying, there was blood shed over this water, and I can't drink this water because of the blood that shed. He wasn't unthankful. He was just he was honoring their sacrifice in the best that they could. He was giving it up basically as an offering to God in that moment. He took what they gave and gave it as an offering of honor and sacrifice, and those men were not offended at that. This is, they've taken David's vision. They've jumped in with both feet. Look at Jesus when God gave him the vision. He knew who he was. When, he, when at the wedding in Cana, he told his mom, he said, he said, my time has not yet come. He knew what he was about to do. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was called to. And he even knew that it wasn't time to fully release that yet. But he had a vision from the Lord. He knew what he was up to. What happened? He drew, God drew Peter and James and John and the other disciples to him. He drew a team to him. Second aspect of biblical vision, God gives, first aspect, God generally gives one person a vision, and then the second aspect is he draws a team to that vision. Look at the apostle Paul, Silas, Barnabas, and Timothy. Look at a pastor. They have staff and volunteers. God draws and plants people in that vision to carry out the vision of God. I want you to see this. I want you to start seeing it right now. Understand that when God gives a person a vision, we're not just talking about a man's vision. This is the vision of God. Now, I'm not saying that you just jump into every organization of every person that says, God's given me biblical vision. But when you have heard from the Lord, you've confirmed it, and you know that God gave this man or woman a vision, and God's called you to be a part of it, then you're not just, you're not just fulfilling just some man's vision at that point. You're fulfilling the vision of God Almighty. He's got a purpose on it. He has a plan, and you're giving your, yourself to bring about the plan of the creator of the universe. This is a much bigger thing, but see, people will not jump in and do that. They, they constantly keep themselves separate. They don't jump in. They don't die to self. What they end up doing is they don't plant themselves. Understand that the blessing of God that we're talking about doesn't come when people don't jump in. The blessing comes when they jump in with both feet and they give themselves to that. They give themselves to it. Amen. All right, now, 
I want you to look at Acts 16.10, and I want you to see this. This is a great thing. So here it is in Acts 16. uh, The Lord calls, uh, in Acts 13, excuse me, the Lord calls Paul to be the apostle. And then they started doing some of the work, but in Acts 16, he gets the Macedonian vision. And when he gets vision from God to go accomplish that, what's very interesting is even the language change of Luke, who was writing the Acts of the Apostles. Up until that point, he constantly said, they did this, the Apostle Paul did this, you know, Barnabas did this, Silas, he, he was saying other people did this, they, they, they. As soon, I love this, as soon as the Apostle Paul gets vision, Luke's language change changes and he says, we do this. He says, listen to this verse, Acts 16.10. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. So Luke went from being an onlooker to being a part of the team, to being a part of that family of vision in that moment. He said, I take, this is our vision. We did this, not just the Apostle Paul. We did this. I, I love that verse. And that one of the things that that shows us, if, if you're leading people, if you're, if you're leading people, God's given you vision. Maybe let's say that you're handling a department in a church and you're leading that department. And you have a vision for that department that's a part of the bigger vision. Here's what I want you to see. is When you see Acts 16.10, you don't recruit out of need. Do you need people to help you? Yes. But do you recruit out of that need? Hey, guys, uh, we need this, right? Do you recruit out of that need? No. You recruit out of vision. If you will get vision for your department, you know, and it needs to come in line with the vision that you're planted in. If you'll get vision for your department and you'll share that vision, that vision will actually draw people to it. Because when God has given somebody a vision, he gives them a team. Uh, one of the, this is a statement. And I love this statement before we get into the third aspect. Uh, there's an old statement. I'm going to read you the short version and the long version. I just, I love this. This is a paraphrase, and uh, they think that it's attributed to this guy, but they weren't, they're not really sure. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. It says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. If you want to build a ship, Don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Uh, They think that this was also a rendition of this. This is a translation from a writing called Citadel by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Here's what was said. One will weave the canvas. Another will fell a tree by the light of his axe. Yet another will forge nails, and there will be others who will observe the stars and learn how to navigate, and yet all will be as one. Building a boat isn't about weaving a canvas, forging nails, or reading the sky. It's about giving a shared taste for the sea, by the light of which you will see nothing contradictory, but rather a community of love. When God gives you a vision and you pass on that vision, that vision is inspiring. That vision is drawing. If somebody is leading any area of anything, of ministry, of a business, of anything, they need to have vision from God. Biblical vision draws the people together in unity. The third aspect of biblical vision is that biblical vision involves risk. (laughs) Biblical vision involves risk. If you look at our first verse that we're looking at, when the people are planted, the risk is, this is a death to who you were. I'm moving into something new. I'm leaving that behind. There's a risk involved. Uh, John 12, 24, uh, where it says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
right? I'm risking losing my old self, but that's a part of biblical vision, and that's why it's important for us to know where, not just any vision, where has God placed us? Where God has placed us, that's the place where we will flourish. That's the place where the risk is mitigated. Listen, without the leading of God, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, but now God has placed the members in the body. Now watch this. I want, I want you to see something because this is a major deal in today, in today's church. Many people go to churches and are hurt. Many people go to churches and they get church hurt, right? They have church hurt. I'm going to tell you a reason why that happens. Here's a major reason why that happens. Because when they go to that church, they take a risk of jumping into somebody's vision. But the issue is many people, I've found the vast majority, have no idea actually what the definition of a church is or how it should look or how it should operate. Two, they have no idea how to discern, is this church and pastor actually called? Three, they have no idea that they're supposed to choose a church not by a fleshly logic or comfort, but they're supposed to choose a church based off of what God said. God said in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has placed the members. We didn't place ourselves. He placed us. Our choice, when you're choosing a church, your choice is not the location, is not which church. Your choice is what has God said and will I be obedient to that? Will I tell God yes or no? You don't choose the location. God chooses the location, and he writes that on your heart in that way. Now watch. And many people have been church hurt because they've not known these things and done these things, and then they jumped in and tried to plant themselves. They died to their self, but it was the wrong placement. They were not, they were not designed as a seed. They were not designed for that soil. And then the seed dies because the soil's wrong. It doesn't flourish, and they find out, and their church hurt. And the reason is because they took a risk without knowing the proper place to be planted. This, and this is why this is, could solve so many people from being church hurt. You need to hear from the Lord. And, of course, if anybody's wanting to know more about that or hear more about that, reach out. Go to whatsright.com and send us a message, and we can help, help you to find that right church and help pray about that for you. There's, there's some requirements that God said in his Bible that honestly, the majority of American churches don't qualify. They don't qualify as a healthy church where God would plant you by his own word. And so many people, there's actually a teaching, we'll put it up in the comments, the description and the links, talking about how to choose the right church and am I in the wrong church? And that'll give you a lot of really good information on that. And so can you see that a lot of people have church hurt because they, watch, this fifth, this, or excuse me, this third aspect of biblical vision, they took a risk, but they were in the wrong place. But when you find the right place and you find somebody that has received vision from God and that's the place where God tells you to plant yourself and you take that risk, you dive in and plant yourself, you, you crucify your old flesh. You crucify your, your personal vision and say, Lord, this is where my vision comes from. All of a sudden, you open up the blessing of God, and he says, you'll flourish. Biblical vision involves risk. Vision gives pain a purpose. <laughs> vision gives pain a purpose. You know, uh, God's not wanting you to go through pain, but if you did go through some pain, it gives it a purpose. Look at Joseph. Look at Jesus. Look at Paul. Joseph, he went through all this stuff, and the Lord took the Lord took that pain, and he turned it into something. God didn't want it for him, but he took it, and he turned it. He took the pain that Jesus decided to go, to, go through for us, and he turned it into something. He took the choice that Paul made to go back to Jerusalem, even though he knew he was going to be captured, and he turned it into the ministry of the Apostle Paul. It, vision, when you understand vision, it gives pain a purpose. It'll, he'll take any pain that you will face, and he'll turn it into a purpose. 
I want you to see this. Those without vision spend their lives taking the path of least resistance as they try to avoid discomfort. Those without vision take the path of least resistance. They spend their lives doing this, trying to avoid the discomfort. Discomfort. They don't have vision enough to go through and tell their flesh, you're going to do this. God will strengthen us. God will take us through it. They don't have, because they don't have vision. Why, why would people go and give and spend their lives doing something that they really don't like doing unless they had vision? But see, the vision of God has an end goal. The vision of God shows us the dream. The vision of God shows us the path to run on. It, it lets us know. It shows us, oh, no, there's blessings to this. There's a purpose to this. This thing has an end goal, and it's going to be glorious. See, that purpose and vision is what helped Jesus be strengthened in the garden. When he didn't want to go through this logically and physically, I don't want to go through this if there's another way, but not my will. Because my will is to not do it this way, but yours be done. Vision gave him a purpose and strengthened him to complete the task. What parts of the task will never be fulfilled if we aren't planted in a vision. Maybe it's our own vision. Maybe we're planted in a family of vision, but we need to take on that vision. Biblical vision involves a risk. Now, I would say a risk in this way, a risk in the fleshly world. In, in the spiritual world, you understand if God's asking you for something, it's always opportunity for increase. But in the physical and in the logic, there's a risk involved. There's a risk involved. Vision always involves that risk. Look at Noah building the ark. He built the ark when it never rained. He was jeered. He was, he was made fun of. Who'd ever seen a rain like this? Why do you need a boat like this? Why do you, think about this. He, he built the ark over 100 years. It took him 100 years to build. That's a 100-year-long risk. And he took it. But it was how, how important was that vision? And how important was it for the people that listened to that vision? Abraham, the, he risked leaving his father, his family, the familiarity of it. Gideon risked facing an enemy with a trumpet and a lantern and a shout. Come on. <laughs> All he's got is a shout and a trumpet and a lantern. That's a risk. He was outnumbered like 100,000. Like, it was crazy. The disciples, they just got the biggest harvest in their life. They, could just, they just had the biggest success in business they'd ever have, when they've ever had when they walked away from their business and followed Jesus. It involved a risk. Jesus, when he left heaven, he risked the throne. He, he went to the cross. He risked that for all of us. Pastors, when they leave the business world and they come into ministry, there's a risk involved. There's a risk involved. When we first started the church, listen, when we first started the church, I didn't make any salary for the first four years, not four months, four years. That's why you're sitting in a ministry now, because I didn't have the money. I didn't get paid. Nicole, Nicole worked so that you could have a ministry that feeds you today. I didn't take any salary so that you could have this ministry today. And of course, this is just the beginning in it, but it's so good compared to what we had then. But that's why there's a ministry today. There was a risk there. Would people adopt it? Would people like it? Maybe not. But vision, biblical vision, involves risk. One of the things, one of the risks of the people that are planting themselves in the body is this. Well, I, may, I don't want to crucify and give myself to the soil where the pastor may fall or may miss it. That's a risk. That's why you need to hear from God. Is this a godly church? Did God establish it? Did God ordain it? Is God in it? Is, did the Lord actually lead this pastor? Do we know that? Do we have resolve on that? And, and you know all of that by the leading of the Lord that says, 
plant yourself here. Plant yourself in that church, and I've placed you in the body, right? Just as I desire. When you hear that, that'll, that'll answer all of those questions, and you know where you need to be. And now it involves risk because you don't know what's in the future, but you trust the Lord. The fourth aspect of biblical vision is this, that biblical vision demands involvement. When you look at our original verse, those planted in the house of the Lord, the planting is designed to bring up a harvest. There has to be an involvement. There has to be an agreement. There has to be a unity of work. Put that in the comments. Everybody put that in the comments. In vision, there must be a unity of work, a unity of work. Thomas Edison said this, vision without execution is hallucination. (laughs) Vision without execution is just hallucination. (laughs) You're not bringing anything to pass. Now think about that. Think about it. If, If vision, biblical vision, involves, uh, um, let me read it this way, demands involvement. If biblical vision demands involvement, then how proper is it for somebody to come into a church and never plant themselves and get involved? It's, It's not proper. It's not even right. He tells us to be good stewards. Good stewards of what? Of whatever he's given us. And if he's given us a placement in a body then our good stewardship of that body is that we plan ourselves and get involved. And we bring about the vision. We don't leave the vision and plan it, plant vision in the ground. No, we plant ourselves in the, in the ground, and we plant that work in the ground to bring about that vision. Vance Havener said this, The vision must be followed by the venture. It's not enough to stare up the steps. We must step up the stairs. The vision must be followed by a venture. It's not enough to stair up the steps of vision. We must step up the stairs of vision. Habakkuk said, write the vision so that they, those that read it may what? Run. There's an action. There's a venture. We can't just write the vision and everybody go, oh, that is such a good vision. Well done. Good, good job of explaining that and telling that to us, Pastor. Now, you go do it. <laughs> That's not, no, that he says one person, you, one person who's received the vision, write the vision so that they may run with it. You see, vision always involves the team. They are supposed to run with it. The whole group, the whole family of vision, not just the one person who received it, the whole family is supposed to run with it. We run in is into a strong tower, Proverbs 18.10. When you run with biblical vision, it becomes a strong tower for you and your family. You know, you see uh, in the beginning, think about this. What did Jesus start with? He started with himself. One man had a biblical vision. That one man shared the vision with 12 disciples, and the one man now became 1 plus 12, became 13. Before long, you see that he sends out not just 12 disciples, but he sends out 70 disciples. And the 12 and 13 became 70. And then you get into uh, the book of Acts, and up in the upper room, there's 120 disciples. One vision cranked all of that off, and then on the day of Pentecost, it becomes over 3,000 souls, over 3,100 souls on that day. And today, he has millions of believers, but it all started with one vision. Vision is powerful. And this is the last aspect of vision that I shared with you first, is that when we do this, biblical vision involves shared blessing. He says this, when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish in the courts of heaven. You will flourish. He's not just saying you'll flourish in one thing or the other. No, you'll flourish in the courts of heaven. Everything that you need flourishes in that place. The blessings of God will be applied spiritually. They'll be applied socially. They'll be applied to your favor. They'll be applied physically. The blessings of God, the people that plant themselves, take up the risk, put themselves on a team, 
become a part of the family of vision, they will be blessed. They will, uh, that fulfill and get themselves involved in vision, they will be blessed. One of the things that you see is that 2,000 years later, there's a great blessing to almost everybody in the world because the disciples gave themselves to a vision and Jesus gave himself to a vision. The vision that God gives us today is no less important. It's a part of the same vision that Jesus had. And when we do that, God will pour out a vision in your life, in your family, in your health. I was just, just today, I was just talking to some people where we've given ourselves to vision. And when we gave ourselves to vision, the Lord blesses it. He says, look, if you'll be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And there were some people seeing the good of the land that God had brought to this ministry. And they were just praising God. I'm not talking about brand new people in the kingdom. These are people that have been in the kingdom and are leaders in the kingdom. They're going... Praise God. That's awesome. The blessing was turning, turning into praise and worship on the lips of people. Why? Because when you give yourself to a vision, there is a blessing that is released. I want to I invite the guys to come up here with me real quick as we kind of wrap up today. And, um, you know, what have you guys seen? Do you have any questions about vision? Well, let's just review those five aspects of vision uh, one more time. And what you'll see... Number one, first aspect, biblical vision is generally given to one person. Two, biblical vision uh, requires a team. Three, biblical vision involves risk. Four, biblical vision demands involvement. And five, biblical vision actually brings about the blessing of God. Amen. Glory to God. Did you get something out of it? And what questions do you have about vision? Is there anything uh, that we can help answer? And what did you guys see uh, while you were listening to that? Well, like I'm going to be, I guess I'll open up being glass house and honest. That's (laughs) That's always good. Um, You know, whenever you brought out the first point. So like the first point is God usually gives his vision to one person. Yeah. Um, And... We don't like that. <laughs> Our yeah. flesh doesn't like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, and my flesh wasn't a big fan either. Um, well, like I feel like there can be two responses. Like, like someone who can be on the more humble side, um, you know, uh, could would say, could potentially be like, oh, like I, I wanted my own personal vision. You know, yeah. I, want, I wanted to be special. You know, but 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 you know, if that's what you say, you know, like let let me. Yeah. understand then there could be like the more prideful side when it's like no no <laughs> I, I have, my, I have own. my own personal yeah. you know I, I can have my own vision yeah. so and I, I guess but of course and before you go on but of course we talked about that all week yeah where the yeah. personal vision that you're looking for come that's the starting point of God's biblical vision yeah but the biblical vision for you personally comes from that vision it comes yeah. in there that's that's yeah. God's way of getting it to yeah. you so. yeah it, well that that was essentially what I was going to ask because I know yeah. the last couple of days we've been talking like God has a personal vision for you and I'm like yeah, yeah. and then you're like God usually gives his vision to one individual <laughs> or the biblical vision yeah so like like what like could you explain that like more more yeah. fully how that blends, you know, how, yeah. how that works together? Well, yeah. I mean, one of, well, one of the first things that we talked about, and we've been talking about it all week, and honestly, I've, I've answered that in all yeah. the videos mm-hmm. earlier this week yeah. uh, in a lot of detail. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but um, what you see is that the personal vision, uh, you, have, you have two different types of vision. You have the vision that's already written down for every believer, and then you have the vision that God gives us individually by the Holy Ghost. Um, and, and I said this the other day, you should never be looking for your own personal vision from the Holy Ghost without having first been, <coughs> been fulfilling the vision that he's given to every believer. And yeah. when yeah. you get your own personal vision from the Holy Ghost, it doesn't cancel the, the corporate vision for every believer, like those yeah. things should carry on in our life. So, if you, you know, part of that corporate vision is that we should make disciples and or let's just use win souls because it fits a little bit better. Win souls. Well, you can't 
just because, all right, now I'm a pastor and God's told me to be a pastor so I don't have to win souls anymore. Like, that's ludicrous because yeah. that's, that's a vision given to every believer for all of their life here on the earth. And so, but what happens is when we fulfill the, the vision that God's already written down in his word for every believer, and part of that vision, one of those last things they said is don't forsake the assembly. And, of course, if you're not going to forsake it, then we go to Psalms 92, plant yourself in a vision Right in a church with a yeah. pastor that God's given a vision and called them to be a pastor. If you're going to plant yourself there, that's already said. So this is one of those things that's already said for us to do. And what we find is, will God give you more if you haven't handled that well? Yeah. No, If he says in Luke, he says, if you've not handled this well, how can I give you that which is your own? Right? So will he give you, if you've not handled well what he's already told you, and one of the things he's already told you is plant yourself at a church, yep. a local body, and if you've not handled that well, for somebody to actually come to me and say, yeah, God's told me to do this, and, and they haven't done that, like that's a lie. God's not told you to do that. Why? Because that's not his way. Yeah. It's not his way. But yeah. what he shows you is when you will handle well that which is not your own, He'll give you your own. He'll lead you to that personal vision. And it'll be special, be honest. But it all starts with that planting in the body of Christ. Yeah. And um, now, who's taught this? You know, I've never yeah. heard this taught like that, you know. Yeah. So people don't know, but that's the way that it works, you know. I've never taught it like this, you know, but that's the way that it works. Those are just scriptures. It's absolute. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I wish I knew this coming out of Bible college at first. I wish I yeah. wish everyone knew this coming out of Bible college because literally like yeah. looking back listening to what everyone's plans outside of Bible college it was none of it was man yeah. I'm going to find a godly person and submit myself to their vision. Everyone had their own visions of what they're going to do and and yeah. I'll start in youth ministry use that as a stepping stone to get into real ministry, you know, like yeah. that that was like yeah. so many people's mentalities coming out, what like coming out of you know, yeah. I almost called it secular Bible college. <laughs> and, uh, no, well, uh, anyway, but like, but that that's how so much. <laughs> that's how so many of us came out though. Like we we had the plan. Like in five yeah. years, I'm going to do this, and and we we like we developed this whole system. Like there was there was really no talk of I I need to find a godly person to yeah. submit myself to. And, to, and to, yeah. to honor them. It's like, no, I, I'm, I'm a Bible college graduate. I know things. You know, I do, I, I, I'm not going to sure. accept any job that doesn't offer this much money. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> I'm, like, like, these are conversations that, I that, know, I, that I know. people, like, have shared with me. You know, like, I'm not, like, like, all, all these different things. It was just, you know, it, it was all of, all of, you know, building my own, my ministry mentality kind of. Yeah. But um, I really would. Honestly, I wish I would have had this perspective a long time yeah. ago. Because yeah. it, it would save people a lot of years yeah. and a lot of trouble. Yeah. So. yeah. And think about all those years that they could be receiving impartation. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. all of those years that they could have been receiving actual impartation into what their vision would be and yeah. destiny. Yeah, well, that's what we see Jesus do with the disciples. You know, the day Jesus, you know, ascended, uh, he gave them all the Great Commission. He didn't say, okay, Peter, you're going to do this. Yeah. And John, I want you to go do this. Yeah. James, I want you to go over here and do this. He gave them all the yeah. same vision. And it was as they were doing that that they found that he yeah. showed them more of their own vision. And Peter yes. went over here and John went over here. and But it was, they found that personal vision as yeah. they were doing the, the one big vision that Jesus had given to that whole body who was there. Yeah. That's how we see Jesus doing it. So why would we do anything yeah. different? Yeah, that's, it's, it's kind of silly that we, we, and think about what would lead us to want our own personal vision so, so much. I mean, what, it's just pride. It's just yeah. like we want our own thing all the time. And, um, you know, I would say in my life, I saw this early on, and, um, you know, I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go originally to seminary, um, but I saw this on my own, 
and were not on my own. The Lord led me to it, you know, but it was, it was still, even me knowing that, I still didn't handle it exactly right. But I knew, like, I wasn't just trying to go and start my own ministry. I mean, from the, I knew that I was supposed to start, you know, probably be a pastor of a church when I was, you know, about 11 years old. Uh, so, and then we didn't start the church till 2009, so I was 36. So you're, you're talking about, I think it was 20, 26 years, something like that, um, you know, from the time, something like that, from the time that I knew I was supposed to have a church. And as an adult, uh, I knew that I was, you know, supposed to really from, I knew, I knew that I was being called to that as soon as uh, Nicole got born again, I felt the call of God. And uh, that day, I felt the call of God back on my life strong as an adult. She and I have been dating, and, and it was a wake-up call. When she got born again, it was a wake-up call to me. And, uh, and it awoken something, and the Holy Ghost really started talking to me. And so at that moment, um, I, just, I, I just really knew that I was supposed to minister and probably pastor. So that was 1999, and uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. That was uh, 1996, and so basically from 1996 to 2009, I <coughs> felt that call to pastor, but so it's 13 years, and I had people asking me to do it, so yeah. in between that time, I had people asking me to do it, I was like, no, no I'm not going to, and I wanted to, like my flesh, so I'd learned that, but I would have liked to have learned, and, and I was, I, I was looking for someone to submit to, it was just difficult to find. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult to find somebody who was actually operating in the things of God and the power of God and the fire of God. Um, that was very difficult to find because it was a lot of religion, you know. Um, that's why, you know, but uh, I was looking for someone to really submit to, and I would have been happy just continuing to submit, you know, to somebody that was operating in that. But the Lord told me that I want you to start this work here. And there's certain things the Lord did that literally... Uh, I would have gone and submitted to somebody else instead of starting the church. The Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, I want you to start Boomerang. And uh, I didn't want to start a church. I wanted to um, I wanted to actually go into a, an existing church. I, I, you know, When we're planning Troy, one person made the comment, we already have enough churches. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I didn't want any other churches. But the Lord had a purpose for us starting that church. And, and yeah. I see now why he did but in that moment, I didn't want to do that. I I wanted to go into an existing church. Why start another church? You know, yeah. and there there are reasons behind it. It's got to do with vision, and it has to do with um, yeah, existing uh, strongholds yeah. and, and things like that. He needed it to be fresh so we could move and move with some speed and yeah. make some calls by the Spirit, not by uh, somebody else's legalism from before. Know, so yeah. there was some reason for it, but um, I wasn't looking to start another church. I was, and that's, and that just, that's just it. You can see that I've had this heart for quite some time because the Lord showed it to me early on. What if we all kind of operated like that from the beginning of the call of God on their life before they even go to seminary? What if this was taught? How much better would it be? Because it's the word. Yeah. What? Um, one point today that really stuck out to me uh, that I think it did to everyone else. Kevin says that it's going, finishing that. He says even the Apostle Paul didn't start his vision until he worked with Barnabas. He's right. Yeah. It was always Barnabas was quoted first. He was the leader. Paul went with him. So look yeah. at that. Yeah. And he also went away for like 15 years. I think it was either 13 or 15 years. He went away and just studied. Like he just, he just, Study. I think he was ministering during that time too, but the majority of it was people. There's, if you look at it, the time that gap is in the word, but you don't see it really clearly. But it's there, and you can do the math and figure it up. So, wow. yeah, go ahead. Well, um, one thing that just really, really hit my heart that you said today, and I could see everyone in the comments was saying the same thing. But you said oh, those really? without vision take the past, take the path of least resistance. Yeah. And it, it reminded me. Um, of, I didn't see everybody's response. <laughs> they're like, "Ouch." <laughs> um, yeah. 
But it reminded me, a couple months ago, we went to the Wright Brother Memorial. Yeah. And while we were there, I was, like, about to cry the whole time. I was, too. Every time I go there. Oh, yeah. It it was dealing exactly with this point right here, that those without vision take the path of least resistance. And, you know, whether or not back then in, like, you know, 1902, they were, you know, it was a completely biblical a vision and they were fully chasing after God. I can't say because I wasn't there. Right. But the fact I'm looking, stands. I want to read something to you. Keep yeah, talking. Yeah. The fact stands that they had a vision. They saw it and they yes. were dedicated to it. And they had so many reasons. Like we're just reading the stories as we're there. So many reasons. They don't. And like I'm just putting myself while I'm there. They didn't know that they were going to be successful. Like, we know now, like, oh, it seems right. easy for them to keep going. Like, obviously, you know, you need to keep going in the face of all this stuff because we know that they're going to succeed. But they didn't know that success was promised. Yes. They didn't know that. They just had that vision in their minds that we need to fly. Like, yeah. okay, okay, I have an idea. And I watched as, as the story just went, as the timeline went, time after time they failed there was one particular yeah. story where this one guy was trying to do it, like a guy that had helped them with, like, talking about aerodynamics and stuff. He died, <laughs> like, yeah. trying to do yeah. this. And they knew him. And yeah. he just, he died one time just doing a test run. And they continued. They were away from their families. You know, they're getting letters from their sister and their family. And, like, you know, they're completely away from them yeah. and doing all this stuff. And, standing strong because they had this vision. Yes. And it, they did not take the path of least resistance on basically anything. And it was risky. It was yeah. difficult. They were putting their lives on the line, their comfort and everything. But it was because they were unified in a vision. Yes. And yeah. I, I don't even know if that was a biblical, like a, a yeah. vision that God was empowering them to. How much more when yeah. we take I up a godly vision? Yeah. yeah. Well, I... You know, one of the things, I, I wasn't sure if I had a picture of this or not, but there's one story where they have a Think about this. Man has never flown. Yeah. They've never seen that before. They have a vision of something that's never happened on the earth. Yeah. It's not like, you know, all right, start a church. A lot of people have started churches. I can see that. That You know, uh, was it risky? Yes. But the Wright brothers, they had never... Man had never flown. They'd never seen it. They had a vision to do something that had never been done before. Yeah. And they believed that they could do it. And one of, one of the things that happened, and I'm, I'm going from memory, so if it's not exact, exactly right, uh, just hold on. But at one point, they had a failure. And I think it was one year. I think you know, they flew in 1903. Mm-hmm. I think it was 1902, and they had a failure. And he literally wrote back home and he said, and I want you to say, they said, and watch vision in this, because this is not, he's given his opinion. He said, I'm not sure if man's even going to fly in the next 50 years after what we've seen. I'm not sure that man will evil even fly in 50 years. <laughs> but they were there the next year. They, they believe this may be 50 years out, but they were there again the next year. That's vision. Yeah. Right? Vision, all that hardship, all that that's going on, that vision took them into the place where they were uncomfortable, where it was it was hard, and then they flew. Yeah. You know, he wrote yeah. this. Wilbur wrote this, 1902. If you were 1902, the year before they fly, if you're looking for personal safety, you will do well to sit on a fence and watch with the birds. But if you wish to learn. You must mount a machine and become acquainted with its tricks. Like, get get up and get going. Arise, shine. Vision will not let you sit still. Yeah. Like, vision will be your worst nightmare without action. Yeah. <laughs> Put that in the comments. Vision can become your worst nightmare without action. Because you'll yeah. sit at home thinking of what you could have done. You know, it vision can become your worst nightmare without action. Mm-hmm. And it but 
that vision if you'll act on it. You'll become and see a lot of people again going back to the first thing you said, buddy. Is a lot of people they want their own vision. It's a it's a fleshly pride that wants their own vision. Like get involved in the vision that God has for you already. Don't wait to get your own. A lot of people waste their whole life. They never plant themselves waiting on God to give them a vision that he's not going to give them because they've never handled another man's vision well. Like, <laughs> that's a clip right there. How many people waste their lives waiting for God to give them their own vision, but they've never handled well another person's vision, yeah. and they'll never get that vision because that's not the ways of God, yeah. and they waste their life. Jump into yeah. the vision where God has placed you and in that place, God can give you that. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, where does, a, like, a midlife crisis, you know? Like, when, when people get to a place where yeah. they're like, I should be doing, I should have done more with my life. Yeah. They become very dissatisfied. They start making impulse purchases and things yeah. like that to feel more successful, different things. Because yeah. now they're on the other end of it, and they're like, yeah. I should have done more. I should, I feel like I should be more successful than this, you know? And, um, and, and the question is, have they really adopted a vision before that moment, you know, before that yeah. point? Um, you know, like, yeah. like if we want to be satisfied in life, if we yeah. want to be satisfied with, what's, with, with, with what God has for us, we need to, we, like success is obedience, we need to be willing to do what God's called us to do yeah. and what he's told yeah. us to do in life, you know, now, like starting today. Because when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, not hunger and thirst after success, hunger and thirst after, um, you know, building our house, you know, not yeah. hunger and thirst after, after those things, but when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be satisfied. Yes. You yeah. know, yeah. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, that, that's a vision. That's, I'm, I'm striving, I'm go, go chasing after this vision that God has given, not just me, but God has given the planting that I'm in, and yeah. as I'm hungering and thir- that's because it's it's a righteous thing, you know, because yeah. it's through, through the church, it's God's vision, and so when I'm hungering and thirsting after that, that's where I'll be satisfied. But if I spend my life hungering and thirsting after, um, after satisfaction in the world or in my flesh or in my job or in my money or in any of those things, I'll never find myself satisfied. I'll get to a point where where I look over my life, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, like I, I remember before I really had this revelation, I did not enjoy life. Very much. You know, yeah. I, I was not yeah. satisfied. I, I, I like I would say that I hated my life, you know. Yeah. And, and now I'm at a point where I can actually look over my life and say, no, I enjoy my life. Like I, I love awesome. my life, you know, like that, that. But that satisfaction comes when we plant ourselves. Yes. That satisfaction yeah. comes when we yeah. hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yeah. Not just, well, you know, I want to do this, so I'm going to yeah. do it, you know. When people don't have a mission for their life or they, or they lose vision for yeah. their life, they die yeah. because we're, we're created to produce. You, know, yeah. you, look at, you look at people, many people, as soon as they retire, their mission has been to work, and that's not, that's not our number one job as believers. Yeah. As believers, um, you know, our number one job is an ambassador of God, and that's yeah. the first mistake that people make is not understanding that your occupation is ambassador. Yeah. That's your first occupation. Your job is just a vehicle where God supplies you to, to do your actual heavenly job as ambassador. That's all it is. Yeah. And uh, it and so, but most people they're so wrapped up in their job or their family. As soon as they lose that, they they pass away. Um, and so, one of the things that's interesting is I believe the Lord's really given me some revelation on a midlife crisis, and uh, I never faced one. I always wonder like. You know what? What? What will that feel like? How does that look like? And everything. And I didn't. I never. Like I came to that age, and I felt pieces of that. And there's multiple variables that are involved in that moment. There's multiple variables that bring about that midlife crisis. And I I do understand why people have them. That and for all of my life, I never understood why people have a midlife crisis. I understand it better now than I ever have. Uh, but I never went through it. Like, it was like, I just flew right through that age, and it never affected me at all. And part of the, like, not at all. Like, it wasn't, like, I felt a couple of the thoughts that came at that age, and now, then that helped me to understand how people fall for it. It wasn't a deal. Like, it yeah. just wasn't a deal. And uh, for me... And and 
part of that is a part I'm not going to talk about. Part of it, I'm not going to get into the details of it because it's not, we're talking about vision. But a big part of it, a big part of it is just vision. Yeah. Like, I didn't have time to sit there and think and weep and moan over some of those things because I'm busy. <laughs> like, I'm getting stuff done. I'm being fruitful. Yeah. I've got a vision. I'm I'm happy about that, you know? Yeah. Like, I, like, that was, I had that vision uh, more than that. And when people have a vision, they they live. They live yeah. life to the full with vision. That's why when, when the Lord gave us that word to start boomerang, that find your joy again and really live, right? Yeah. The big part of that was how can you ever really live and have joy if you're not doing what God's called you to do, like yeah. in the vision of God and planted in that vision. So anyway... We've got to wrap up here, but is there anything else that y'all had pressing or anything else from uh, anybody who's watching? I know Sydney said something good. She uh, could, could you scroll up real quick? Actually, no, I have it right here. Um, Sydney did say, in the past I thought that there were leaders and backup singers, so to speak. This has taught me that there is beauty in you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it, Sydney. That is so good. So praise God. Well, we just praise God for you. I want these guys to pray and uh, to lead you in a prayer for vision. I want you guys to lead them in a prayer of vision and uh, wrap it up. And I hope that you've enjoyed this week of vision. Again, I'm going to be preaching on and teaching on the full vision of Boomerang on Sunday. And I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm, I'm excited about it. I've preached vision before, but not like this. And I'm yeah. like, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you can, join us. Be here. Uh, watch it, but uh, you guys pray for vision to come and for people to be in their place the way it should be. Just let the Lord lead you, yeah. and uh, we love you, and as they pray for you, just receive now. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We enter into your presence with thanksgiving, and we thank you, Lord, right now, according to Ephesians 1, that you are granting unto all that are listening to the sound of my voice a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, let the eyes of their understanding become enlightened so that they can know, so that they can have that vision, so that they can know what is the hope of your calling, of your vision for them, of what you have in store for them, what is the glorious riches of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward them as they put their faith in you, God. Increase their vision. Increase their, their expectation. Father, in Jesus' name, increase the eyes of their understanding, God. God, for those who have had a hard time uh, receiving that vision, for those who have had a hard time receiving that wisdom and that understanding, Father, right now, let their eyes open in Jesus' name so that they can see it clearly, so that they can see it in a whole new way. Father, we come against any demonic attack that might have been trying to keep people from fully planting themselves in the vision of where you have planted them. God, in Jesus' name, we come against that. We bind that and we loose revelation, God. Father, let your angels bring revelation to the people today, God, as their eyes are opened in a whole new way, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Lord. Yeah, thank you, thank Lord, you, Lord, that everyone watching, everyone receiving this prayer, they grab hold of the vision that they're planted in yeah. stronger than they ever have. Even if they have grabbed a hold of it, thank you that... They've got it as theirs stronger than they ever have in their life. In Jesus' name, thank Thank you you for the empowerment to walk that vision out. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.